3: No,
0: Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
3: Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See
0: website for details.
3: Welcome into Brewcast for Amazing Brew on the SP Nation podcast. Network. I am Luke Giardi, joined as always by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani. Big week coming up for Michigan football as we're here with you on Monday night, headed into Tuesday, and we've got a lot to get to here on today's episode of Brewcast. First, I want to bring in Anthony and Chris. How you guys doing? How you guys feeling here this week? I don't feel great
1: uh, health wise, but I'm I'm sitting here. We're recording the podcast here on Monday night. Ready to go? Ready to watch the Lions get that dub, which. Uh, by the time you hear this, the game will be over, and that'll either be awesome that I said <laughs> that, or it'll look really stupid, which history would dictate that uh, that it would be the other the other
3: option. I, hey, I like your I like your tweet though, Anthony. I really liked the tweet. Uh, some of them
1: are good; he, they're not all winners, but uh, they've won four against the uh, to Packers. So, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling <laughs> I'm feeling myself a little bit tonight. That's the thing about since I've I'm no longer working in the NFL, I actually get to working in the NFL, doing NFL coverage, I should say. I get to enjoy these games a little bit more, but it also, on the flip side, I can get... It it leaves me open to be a lot more upset with the results of these games. So, um, hey, here we go. Getting emotionally involved in in Detroit Lions football, that always works out well. That's
3: dangerous. Chris, how you doing, man?
2: I'm doing well, guys. Yeah, we had uh, Michigan, uh, I won't say avoid uh, disaster, but uh, was able to put their best foot forward when it mattered on Saturday. And uh, now we find ourselves kind of in the shadow of what is going to be kind of crazy to say this, but the home stretch of the season and the uh, the most important part of the season. I mean, Michigan really, there's definitely more winnable games on their schedule, I don't know if there's any at this moment that you can look at right now and and automatically uh, pencil in a dub the way that you could with some of the games earlier in the year. So things are getting really, really interesting. We're just two weeks away from November in college football, which is really coming down to nitty-gritty time. So uh, a lot to look forward to, uh, a lot to be intrigued about, and that's what we're going to talk about today.
1: Yeah, you know what's interesting, too, about that the Illinois game is that it's not like they didn't avoid an upset. They didn't avoid, you know – getting knocked off, but but it was like a we- really odd game. Um, I saw Bill Connelly's like S and P plus like numbers from that game, Michigan, the lead was down to three and things got a little hectic there, but they still had a post game win expectancy of hundred percent. So they were never yeah. truly in danger of losing that game, but, um, why do they well, have to make it more stressful than it needs right. to be? No?
3: Right, and uh, and I want to I want to go ahead and tip my cap right now. I, I know we all do here because you know what we've been we've been a little harsh on Shea Patterson the last couple of weeks. I think the criticism has been deserved, but we also have to you know give credit where credits due. And when it came down to it, and Michigan did. Li- give up those 25 unanswered not really sure how it happened why it happened or anything like that we're not going to really get into that but when they needed the quarterback to step up and make some play Shea Patterson he did just that guys
1: yeah and I think it's one of those things where when we're looking at the play of of Shea Patterson or maybe even Michigan's quarterbacks in general maybe we need to stop viewing it in in terms of oh this is an NFL court this isn't an NFL quarterback or this is an NFL quarterback Sometimes you need to be just a good college quarterback, and I know the stat line doesn't look great. Shea was, I think, eleven for twenty-two. But um, I look at ESPN's QBR after the game; it was an eighty-five point five, meaning that given the performance that he had in that type of game, your team is given a chance to win that game eighty-five percent of the time. And he did bring them back. You know, when um, I thought Andy Bailey did a really good job uh, in, the, in the "What We Learned This Week" that he wrote for the website. He said, "You know, when things got tough and and Michigan was staring rock bottom in the eyes, the guy that pulled them out of that was Shea Patterson, and I think he does deserve credit for that, especially from us. As you know, we have been critical for that. Um, to me, that was a very like that was a very Brian Lewerke esque type of performance. You know, yeah. not the stat line didn't look great, but you made enough plays with your legs, you made enough plays through the air. It's not perfect." Obviously it could be better, but, um, you know, it's, uh, we were looking for, and I'll be honest, like in that third quarter, when that offense started to sputter out, I'm like, it's time. Like, let's, let's see Dylan McCaffrey's dress. Let, let's see if someone else just called the bullpen for a drive and see what happens. Uh, they, they wouldn't do that. They, they didn't do that, which was frustrating obviously in the moment, but when you saw, you know, the results with the game on the line, you, you got, uh, you got what you needed. So, is yeah. he good enough right now to win you the big games we're going to find out um, couldn't win you the big game at Wisconsin this year but um you know like I said like I said, it's really warranted to to tip our caps to him and, and at this point you just need to get just enough out of him i'm not looking for him to be baker mayfield or um, you know one of these heisman candidate guys I just need you. I just need him to not lose you a football game, and and he went out and he helped you win one on Saturday. So, uh, I give him credit for that.
2: Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Uh, I think having or early on, I would say even you know, the, well into the third quarter, this was looking like one of the games uh, that Michigan would play last year or in 2016, where they just had the ability to impose their will on any on almost any defensive line they went up against and it felt like one of those games that's in when in 2016 when Spate was around or kind of early when Rudolph was there where they didn't need the quarterback to do anything and Shea was not necessarily playing poorly he just really wasn't asked to be playing much at all it, it was mainly Charbonnet and Haskins and those guys just running the ball down down Illinois throats now a, a weird wrinkle got thrown in there in the third and into the fourth quarter where Illinois all of a sudden made it a three-point game and when it mattered most, with the exception of one really bad throw to DPJ, which he missed in the end zone, Shea made the plays when he had to make them. And that is the type of performance that they're going to need going forward. At some point, and I said this about Shea last year, I said this about uh, O'Corn and Peters the year before, and I said it about Spate, and I said it about Rudak At some point, when you're at a major program like Michigan, which is still very competitive, you're going to have a game in which your quarterback's going to have to go out and win you a football game. Is Shea the guy to do it? Maybe not, but like we said, we'll talk about that in a bit. We do have to give him credit. Very well-played game on Saturday. Did what he needed to do. Made plays down the stretch when he needed to make them. And and zero picks as well, I believe, which is a, a major step forward for him.
3: I am still a little bit concerned, though, guys, that Shea is really not ever keeping the football. And I don't know if it's they're, they're not running reads and they're just designed runs, but DNs are crashing hard on the running backs. And sooner or later, that's going to come back to haunt Michigan if Shea's not going to keep it. I don't know if he's making the wrong reads. I don't know if they're calling these uh, to not be reads at all because they're trying to protect him. But I mean, the the run game isn't going to work if you can't keep a defense honest with the quarterback being able to keep the football in this type of offense.
1: Well, you, you're not anyone who thinks that they're playing possum and, and luring these teams to sleep. Like, might that be a might there be a little bit of that on a certain play call here and there? Yeah, there might be. Uh, we saw that um, it was against uh, Rutgers where they they set up the naked bootlegs uh, that we saw with Patterson and Joe Milton later in the game. Um, I don't think they're holding that back right now. I do think some of them are just bad reads, which, which need to be better. And if it's not working and your quarterback can't, this is the thing. Like if it's not working and Shea Patterson isn't good at making those reads, stop calling the play, like do something else. Um, at this point I'm, I I say resigned to the fact it sounds like, you know, that sounds negative, but I'm pretty, pretty resigned to the fact that unless the bottom falls out for Shea Patterson or he gets seriously injured, he is your quarterback the rest of the year. And if that's the case, this coaching staff needs to do a better job of setting him up to succeed. Like, I I know it was against Rutgers, but in that game, they did a nice job of, of setting things up where he had multiple options inside of one read and, you know, they're rolling him out. He's making plays on the run. That's the Shea Patterson we need to see. Uh, but at times it's, you know, I think they're asking him to do things that he's not comfortable with. And that's, you know, that, that to me does fall on coaching. So, um, you know, you look at a lot of these play designs on the offense and these wide receivers at the end of a play, you look at, you know, you go back and watch the film. There are plays where at the end of a route or at the end of a play, there are like three wide receivers within like five or six yards of each other. If that's a play design one, it's terrible. And if it's not, and it's still a lack of execution. You know, we're seven weeks in the year now. That's incredibly concerning. Um, you don't just—I refuse to believe that they're just waiting to flip a switch. Uh, you know, and and they say they're making progress, and I believe them. I think that they, I think that they're getting more comfortable. I think that they're getting more confident. But their their head coach and their offensive coordinator just need to do a better job of setting them up to succeed. And, and you know, going into the atmosphere that they'll go into on Saturday. That's a big concern to me. Now when we look at the defense from letting Illinois get back into that game on Saturday afternoon. I really just think it's a matter of for whatever reason being lulled to sleep and then making a few really uncharacteristic plays. Um uh, and then Illinois had kind of played well too. I mean, you give it we give Shea Patterson credit. Also should give a little bit of credit to Matt Robinson, a guy who is what, their third string quarterback coming in there and, and making plays, nephew of Greg Robinson. So I mean oh, it was really? yeah, yeah, he really is. Oh wow. So how, uh, how appropriate is that Michigan right. defense having problems with a running quarterback? But, uh,
2: I know. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I mean, it's, it's
1: just one of those, you go on the road, uh, when that thing got down to three points, you're kind of like, are they really in trouble here? And then to fight back from that, to be able to reflip that switch. I, I think that, you know, that's, that was a positive for them as scary as it may have seemed. Um, I do think that this was a, a a slight step in the right direction in terms of the fight in terms of you know responding to a tough atmosphere and things like that. So and,
3: and I think the offensive line is getting better. Like I understand it was Illinois, but we didn't see this Michigan team uh, control the line of scrimmage, even really against Middle Tennessee State. You know, so I think there's a huge step in the direction there. It's obviously a tough test coming up this Saturday, but it feels like this offensive line is starting to find a little cohesion too.
2: Oh, for well, sure. Yeah, Saturday's game is definitely one that's going to help with their confidence. I, I mean, they the coaching staff clearly instilled a lot of faith in the offensive line, and that faith was rewarded. I thought that was a tremendous. Uh, job of running the ball and and maintaining blocks from the very beginning. Like I said, they imposed their will on Illinois from from the jump. And obviously, Shea had to make some plays at the end. But 90% of that game, the difference was the fact that Michigan just ran the ball extremely well.
3: All right, so big game coming up on Saturday. And we're going to take a quick break here on Brewcast. And when we come back, we're going to talk about big games with michigan football especially under jim harbaugh that's coming up next on brewcast
0: okay round two name something
1: that's not boring
2: a laundry oh a book club
0: computer solitaire huh oh sorry we were looking for chumba casino
3: Welcome back into Brewcast. Luke Yardi, Chris Castellani, and Anthony Broom hanging out with you as we look ahead to Saturday in a top 10 matchup on the road. Happy Valley, night game, wide out. I mean, it is going to be a brutal atmosphere for this Michigan team. And everyone's talking about the big game that this is going to be for Michigan football and for all intents and purposes. Well, it's probably the season when you consider it. Uh, Michigan, if they want a chance at winning the Big Ten, going to have to win this game it's not going to be easy to do but there's something i want to get off my chest here uh you know i tweeted about it a little bit earlier today and people are just you know talking about jim harbaugh and not winning big games and things like that and it's kind of annoying at this point because we just have to go back to last year three straight games coming up go listen to our podcast go listen to brewcast last year Heading into the Wisconsin game. I remember talking about it, guys, and how ridiculous of a stretch it was going to be for Michigan. And they handled it with relative ease. They whooped up on Wisconsin, beat Michigan State by two touchdowns, held in 94 yards, and beat the absolute breaks off of Penn State. But now, all of a sudden, we look back because those teams ended the year on on a bad note, even though in the middle of the season, all three were ranked in the top 25. But we do this revisionist history sort of thing to say, hey, they weren't very good. Those weren't actually big games like, yeah, they were monster games going into them. And Michigan went three and oh in those games like Jim Harbaugh has won big games at Michigan. We just don't give him credit for it because we get all revisionist. And I think the way they finish against Ohio State has something to do with that. But quit saying Michigan has not won any big games, or they can't win big games under Jim Harbaugh. They absolutely can, and they have in well, the past. The thing of it
1: is, they haven't gone on the road and win the, and won those games. So I get that. I get right. that. Other than,
3: other than Michigan State last well, year, I
1: mean that's fine. But that wasn't that was a seven it, and six Michigan State team. You know what I mean? Like it's. And, and I wrote about this before the Wisconsin game. There's one mm-hmm. matchup right now that I think is inflating the perception of those struggles, and it's the Ohio State game. That is um, obviously their struggles in that game Unable to beat Ohio state through four years. That plays a part in it. And uh, I, I did a piece on, I called them quote unquote critical games. I think I'd like to amend that and call them measuring stick games. And, and I'll go through the criteria. because pull this up. <clears throat> when you intro the segment, um, these were the games and, and these are uh, five bullet points. The first top 25 appointment opponents at the time, the teams met rivalry games, Surprising losses that shouldn't have happened, close calls or scares do not count here. Uh, noted those separately and bowl games. And Michigan has a record of 11 and 14 in those "quote unquote" measuring stick games under Jim Harbaugh. Um, so I, I th- he has won. He's won a decent amount of those. He has not won. You know they're 11 and 14. They're 0 and 4 against Ohio State. That already kind of distorts that because you're 0-4 against Ohio State, because you've lost the bowl games. Um, you know Jim Harbaugh has gone to Penn State and won a game before. Mind you, I think that was a 7-6 and six Penn State team that had Christian Hackenberg at quarterback. Uh, a couple years ago, they went there. That's a totally different beast. Saquon Barkley, Trace McSorley, probably the best modern team that Penn State has had, uh, and, and they got the break speed off of them. I think that this Michigan team that will go on there Saturday, regardless of how we feel about... The offensive struggles, and this is a much more talented team than that 2017 team was. And I don't think this Penn State team is as good as that team. That was the number two team in the country. This is the number seven team in the country. And even I tend to think that's a little high for them. Um, but to, to pile on to you know, every, every big game they play is the defining game of the Jim Harbaugh era in everyone's eyes. It was Iowa a few weeks ago. Obviously, it was Wisconsin before that there were people that said that about the army game, uh, you know, all those weeks ago too. Um, I I understand like Michigan is not one enough big games. Jim Harbaugh would tell you that it's like, they're not, I, I don't, I don't, I know they're not happy with that. I don't know what people want them to say. I think what we do too, is we put way too much stock and there's so much psychoanalysis into press conference quotes and, and what the players are saying during media availabilities. Like, Who cares? Like go with what you see on the field on Saturdays. I'm not the psychoanalysis of of what college kids have to say and and what, you know, any football, what any football coach has to say, because they guard all information. Like it's nuclear launch codes and they talk in cliches and all of that. So I kind of spun out of control there, but to say that Jim Harbaugh hasn't won any big games is ignorant. Now, if you're for being fair, have they lost to the best teams on their schedule every year? Yeah, yeah, they have. The, the the best teams, the ones that they're not that they probably aren't. They haven't won the games. I mean, their zero and seven is an underdog. Like that. That's kind of what the narrative is this week. So, um, I don't know. It's kind of just my my two cents on all of it. My my disorganized thoughts.
2: No, I, I mean. I, I here, let, let me just, yeah, real quick. I, I agree with both of you. Uh, I think ultimately all this is inflated by their inability to be Ohio State, and that's understandable. I think also part of it too is a lot of those wins, and you br- brought this up about Michigan State a little bit last year, Anthony, is that a lot of those wins, which looked very impressive at the time, by the end of the year weren't nearly as impressive. Like when Michigan smashed Wisconsin last year, which that was a Wisconsin team coming off of a 13 and one season. That returned a fair amount of players when Michigan smashed them in Ann Arbor. Uh, a lot of people, including us, were thinking, "Hey, man, that's a really great win. That's a good Wisconsin team." And Wisconsin was eight and five; they're all right, you know. Michigan did probably what they should have done. Uh, not to say they didn't deserve credit, but it's just a fact. Same thing with Penn State, who ended up going nine and four. Michigan killed them, and Michigan State, obviously, probably one of the more impressive wins of the Harbaugh era. They were in the top twenty-five at the time. Uh, hostile environment, you know, pouring rain. Uh, MSU had a really good defense that was that was a very good win but still that was still a seven win MSU team this is an opportunity uh, for Michigan to definitively beat a team that we know is very good and wait but
3: okay but how do we know that like that's the thing we get revisionist like we said the same thing about those two teams last year like we don't know what Penn State's gonna do after this game like they could lose every game on their schedule from here on out. Like if, if that's the criteria, if we're gonna go look back and, and see what this record was at the end of the
2: year, we can't say this is a good team or that this would be a good win. Going, um, yeah, okay, I get, I get that, I do. I just think any time you go to a place like Penn State and win, especially where they're at right now, what they're seven and zero it would it would go down as an impressive win. Now, there would be, let's say Penn State were to collapse the rest of the season. There would be those revisionist people who would say, well, Penn State was no good to begin with. But I'm sorry. You go there. We've seen countless teams. We've seen Ohio State go to Penn State several times and come up short against Penn State teams that were sometimes very good and sometimes not, not so good. So uh, this would still be an impressive win. Now, would it be a top two or three Harbaugh win ever? Maybe, maybe not. That That is to be determined. We're still, like I said, it's not quite November yet, and that's kind of when championship teams, we kind of separate the men from the boys. But that that is a fair point, but I think it would still be undoubtedly an impressive victory.
3: I, I also want to say, I, well, let me, let me be. I just want to go, go back to what Anthony said also a little earlier, said that has Michigan lost to the best teams on their schedule? And, and I don't think so because, like, I go back to 2016. Michigan beat the two teams that played the Big Ten championship game. Penn State, Wisconsin, both teams finish inside the AP top 10. You know, if if we're getting if we're looking back on on this on the season, like that's that's totally fair. But that's and that's
1: also three or four football seasons.
3: Oh, 100 percent. But but Jim Harbaugh is in his fifth season right now. Like the the whole narrative is Jim Harbaugh doesn't win these games when in four seasons like we've seen him win a number. I know it's not enough of them. But I saw a tweet today from someone in the Michigan media saying that this is going to be like a, a program-changing win, like a, a win at Penn State is going to bring the program to another level. And oh, I just don't understand. You, you that. know what?
1: It won't be because I'll be honest with you, and I'm just going to call, like, say what how it is here. If this, if Penn, if this Penn, if Penn State loses to this Michigan team at home, they aren't very good, or they aren't as good as we think they are. So that's where like the goalposts do change a little bit, but that's that's not a program changing win. No, that's a that's a that's a Penn State as a fraud. Like they're and it's a you know to show that you can go into a tough environment and win. That's incredibly important for Michigan, especially where this this program this regime is at right now. But to say you know what a program changing win is, winning this week and next week and then beating Ohio State at the end. Well, beating, beating Ohio State, State is in- the
3: only program changing win. That's the only yeah. game they can win. That's program changing,
1: because Michigan could beat Penn State this weekend and still go, you know, still lose to Ohio State, lose to Notre Dame, and then what's changed? They're nine and three, ten and you know, ten win team again. So to to overplay it like that, like I I understand the uh, the emotions that that are running high. And let me let me run you through the rest of Penn State's schedule quick, because I think when you go through and look, like obviously they went and won a game at Iowa. I was like, I don't think I was very good, but sort of like this week, if you go on the road and win at Kinnick at night, I don't care if I was good or not. Just like, I won't care if Penn state's good or not. If Michigan wins this game, you go to that atmosphere and you win at night. That's a big win. You can't move the goalposts on that at all. So Penn state has a win there where they fought through some stuff. Other than that, they haven't really played anyone this year, almost lost to Pitt, and Pitt kind of double doinked itself out of that, that game. Uh, Penn state plays Michigan state. They play Minnesota who they haven't played anyone good, but the jury's out on them. It's a top 20 team though. They play Indiana. They play Ohio state. They play Rutgers. Penn state's probably beating Indiana and Rutgers. So that puts them at eight wins right there. I assume they'll beat Michigan state. That puts them at nine. Maybe they get to 10 if they they're able to beat. I mean, you beat Michigan you beat Minnesota uh, and you're looking at Ohio state might be your only loss of the year. Like this is a big game for Penn state too. Like this is very much a, this is a contender or pretender game. But w- what I won't hear is that, um, you know, this beating, beating a program that you're, that Jim Harbaugh's three and one against is a program changing win. Because now if this was that 2017 team and you're going up against Saquon Barkley and trace McSorley. Yeah. I'll hear that a little bit more, but this is not a program changing win. The only, the only thing it might change is if the, the the program changing aspect of it is if Michigan goes there and gets its pants pulled down again. <laughs> right. That's where we might be talking about. That's where things are changing in the wrong direction. So Th- this um, is
2: also one more point about this. Uh, uh, we just talked about some of those other wins, you know, the three big ones that they got last year, which were all very impressive in their own way for sure. This would be the first time ever in the Harbaugh era that Michigan will have won a game that a majority of people out there believe that they would probably lose. I think that is where, while I don't agree with that take, that I think is where people, uh, I I almost understand the program-changing aspect of it. Now, there were those naysayers, but for the most part, Michigan last year, favorite against state, favorite against Wisconsin, favorite against Penn State, favorite against Ohio State. So this would be one of the first times where they actually went on the road and won a game that a majority of people did not expect them to win. I think that's where the argument of this being a potentially programming program changing win. Well, uh, so so here's here's here's
3: my here's my kind of spin on that, Chris, is the sense that it's not good as a program to be in those kinds of games. You know, if, if, if anything like that, that plays into Anthony's point in the sense that the the only way this is program changing is if they lose, because to, to Jim Harbaugh's credit, Michigan hasn't played in a lot of games like that. Like I can think of uh, going into Penn State 2017 was one and playing Ohio State in, in 2017. Those are the only two off the top of my head that I think a majority of people thought Michigan were going to lose, right? I I can't really think of of any other games that that people legitimately thought Michigan was absolutely going to lose. Even going back to 2015, Ohio State was coming off a loss to Michigan State, and people thought Michigan were going to beat Ohio State back in 2015, and they got slaughtered at home. But a a lot of people thought Michigan might win that game at home. So so to Jim Harbaugh's credit, he hasn't been in this situation a whole lot, uh, hasn't been an underdog a whole lot, but even when he's been an underdog – it generally hasn't been as big as it is. They just opened at eight points, man. Eight—that's crazy. It's, yeah. a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty hefty number, and people are, like, oh,
1: it's the, oh, I'm, I'm taking that all day, and I, I probably would take that if we're picking right now. To be honest with you,
3: based on what we've seen, I might, I might emotional hedge it to be quite oh, sure. honest with go you
1: for it. Um,
3: but <laughs> you go through <laughs> the good, the good old emotional I, hedge. Uh,
1: I don't put a whole ton of like. Computers and analytics say what they say, and especially ESPN's FPI. Um, I just go through that to look at what the computers say about you know the projected chances of winning games the rest of the year. FBI has Michigan losing the three games that we all think they'll probably lose to end the year. Saturday's game at Penn State, next week against Notre Dame, and then next week or uh, uh, last week of the year against Ohio State. So as where we sit here today. ESPN's FPI has Michigan as a 21.4% chance of winning this game on Saturday for the Notre Dame game. It's 37.7%. I actually think there's a decent chance they win that game. Um, and then Ohio state is, uh, 18.2%. I think it says a lot. The analytics are saying that this is slightly easy. This is going to be slightly easier on them than the Ohio state game will be. And we know what that Ohio state game will be and what it will probably look like. So, Again, I don't – when we start talking about program changing and, and narrative changing, yeah, I, I I, I think it's season changing. I don't think it's program changing or program defining or Jim Harbaugh defining. Mm-hmm. I've said since they lost at Wisconsin, in order for to get people back on board, you need to win those three games and do it somewhat convincingly. They did it in two of those weeks, and they beat Iowa. In a lot of ways, they checked the boxes there. And I said, in order to truly be excited for the chance that they might have a shot at this moving forward, they'd have to go to Penn State and win that game. And all the analytics have done in terms of their chances of winning since that Wisconsin
3: game have gone down. So, Also, let let me ask you this, man. And I know Michigan should never get beat the way they did in Madison like they did, but that loss is starting to look a little more like, wow, Wisconsin is actually just really good. Like Michigan wasn't the yeah. only one. Sure. You know well, what I'm I mean, saying? It's
1: never good to be in the same company as Michigan State and Central Michigan, but right. I, right, I, right, I do right, think right. that Wisconsin is legitimately good. Now, on a neutral field, I still think Ohio State's probably a good 10 to 13 points better than they are. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. I'll yeah. Go there. yeah, wow. Absolutely. Um, that said, which I might be seeing Ohio state in person this week. I'll be in Chicago this weekend for work and there's talk. We may make our way up to Evanston for that Friday night game.
3: So they're going to slaughter poor Northwestern, oh, well, man. It's going to be a you know, bloodbath. No, i not. That's, that's nothing on you. I'm just, I'm just, you know, out loud thinking Northwestern is in for,
1: I know it's going to, it's going to be <laughs> ugly, but, uh, I don't even remember what I was saying there before, but, I, Wisconsin is legitimately good. I think Wisconsin. Uh, I think I don't I don't think, I don't think there's yeah that I
3: don't team. think so. People are saying Ohio State and then Gap and then Wisconsin Penn State. I think the gap is is a lot smaller than what you think between Ohio State Wisconsin. Oh, I think Wisconsin's got a legit defense and they actually have some speed, which is weird to me. So so yeah. I think
1: yeah to flip to flip the switch like they have after last year. Uh, I'm impressed with that. Um, I think that uh, Paul Chris doesn't get enough credit for a guy who's one of the better coaches in this conference. You know, people always talked about Mark D'Antonio and James Franklin and and some of these other guys, uh, even Jim Harbaugh to a certain extent. uh, He's always up there, but Paul Chris has done, done a really nice job there. And I don't know. I, I guess my point is that I don't think this Penn state team is as good, really nearly as good as that was, excuse me, as that Wisconsin team is. That said, the environment they're going into is, is I think, much tougher um, than playing at Camp Randall at, at noon on Saturday. So, again, um, if they win this game, like, honestly, I, I, I have been critical of them. To a certain extent, I've been snarky on them. I've been sarcastic. I've been pessimistic. We all have. There was nothing in this world that would make me happier. To when I do that post game show on Saturday, when I do Brewcast with you guys next week, to eat my words while all of our listeners have that, you know, the you know what eating grin on their faces.
3: There's nothing I want. I just don't think they, against a good team on the road, I, man, I, they just don't have it for some reason. I don't know why that is. I, I guess I said all that I said to say Michigan on the road against even a good team. Is I, I don't know what's up with them, but I, I guess against Illinois though they they were on the road. It's nice to see him kind of. That was probably the best I think they've started on the road in a long time. Even going back to Rutgers, twenty sixteen was seventy eight nothing. Like if you go back and watch the highlights, Michigan like the first couple of drives weren't that great offensively.
1: They didn't get yeah they didn't get going until the yeah. second half. Um, really, but I mean, again, they something. There's something that's missing there. Whenever they leave Ann Arbor, like if this game was in Ann Arbor on Saturday, I'd probably feel pretty similar to how the, I felt about the Iowa game, yeah. um, and that's why I'm actually confident about next week's game with Notre Dame, because um, I think on a, at it's just different, especially when when it's a night game in Ann Arbor. Um, I think there's a different kind of juice, a different atmosphere, but you know that that's anywhere in the Big Ten, and and Happy Valley is as. Um, you know, it's a venue that's not quite as big as the big house, but it, it's up there 110,000 people. Um, you know, if they're going to do it, they're going to earn it this week. And I don't, there seems to be just a problem in preparation, you know, a problem in, from the moment you get off the bus, the, to you strap on the pads and run out to the field for warmups on the road. It seems like it, it almost goes back that far. Uh, but obviously we're not in there, so I can't speak to that, but, um, you know, the, the deer in the headlights look like you're gonna know you're gonna know right off the bat this team has to start fast on Saturday now if it's only like a 10 to three game like the Iowa game was yeah Michigan probably has to have a similar type start where you just start out fast and feed off of that because I gotta be honest you come out you start on offense because you know if, if Penn State wins that toss they're gonna defer they want their defense on the field they want your sloppy offense on the field your turnover your fumble prone offense on the field and if you make a mistake, there will be blood in the water. So this team has to start fast. They got it, it has to be the best week of practice they've had all year. It has to be thorough, it has to be decisive. Here we go. Like I'm people are treating this like a death march. This might be the most excited to watch a football game I've been all year because we're finally going to It, it know. feels we're yeah, it feels different
3: know. to me and Chris, I'll let you get your final thoughts in here, but it feels different to me than the 2017 Penn State game in the sense that I sat down to watch that game, ready to watch a team lose, and I'm not really there this year with that. Chris, give us your final thoughts on this.
2: Well, no, just to kind of add on to that, I agree. The main reason being I'm less certain about the the goodness of this Penn State team than I was the Penn State team two years ago. Like, that team I knew was full of studs and had played some you know, semi- decent opponents up to that point and it throttled all of them. Um, Whereas this year's team, with the exception of that Iowa win, which still, you know, go to Kinnick and you win very, very solid. was not the most impressive victory. And I think it's actually one that might give Michigan a little bit of confidence, knowing that that offense is, is capable of being somewhat slowed down. But yeah, this is, this is like, I, like Anthony said, this is where we're going to find out. This is going to be the, the first, You could say Wisconsin, but like I think we all kind of said, in order for this team to be able to reach their goals this year, they could afford to slip up once, and they did. They did more than slip up. They got throttled against Wisconsin. All righty. What's that, Chris? Yeah, with with every game that goes on after this, the season is on the line, and they got a lot to prove. And like you said, Luke, how um, you kind of don't want to be in the position where your underdog's they, will, they always will be until they start winning. Mm-hmm. And if they win a game like this, there will be a lot of narrative changing. Maybe not permanently, because we all know who they still have to play, but at least for the time being, a lot, a lot of people are going to get off Michigan's back.
3: Uh, I would also like to reiterate, Michigan is not beating Ohio State this year. I'm just going to throw that out there. Let's temper all expectations on that. Guys, uh, anything else you need to add before we wrap it up?
1: Uh, I'll add that I don't think they'll beat Ohio state, but I think that you can make enough improvements to give yourself. A okay. Chance.
3: I, re- I, respect yeah. I respect that. I respect that.
1: But then again, it could all go to hell <laughs> and, and be ejected out of, you know, it'd be ejected. The all optimism could be ejected out of this season, like a, like a turd out of an airplane bathroom. Good you know point. What I mean? Yeah. So it's like, um, but yeah, I, I think that there is a recipe in place to, to pull off, pull this thing off on Saturday. Obviously, we're not going into it here. I did a half-hour podcast on it uh, in our Monday show, so I'd encourage you to go listen to that. But um, I'm not, if you're asking me to make a game prediction, be something like 22-13 Penn State or, or something along those lines. But uh, that's only because I've seen six games of incomplete football. If they play a full game, they're going to they're gonna give themselves a chance for
3: sure. All righty, guys. Let me know where you can find you on social media, Chris.
2: All right. Well, you can find me. My uh, my main hub is Twitter. Uh, it's at Castellani2014. That's at Castellani twenty fourteen. That's at C A S T E L L A N I two o one four. Post game videos after every Michigan game. Still going strong with the playoff baseball post games on my Twitter page. You'll find the link to my YouTube page. I posted my review of Joker like a week ago. If you want to see me on Snapchat, my Snapchat handle is the same as my Twitter handle. And if you want to see me on Instagram, that's ChrisCastle95, that's C H R I 95 Please follow me on all those platforms.
3: Anthony.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at AnthonyTBroom. Uh, follow the website on all social media platforms, except for TikTok, because I haven't caught up to that <laughs> yet. Um, <laughs> you can uh, get all of our shows on Maze Brew Broom Podcast, anywhere you get your content, Spotify, stitcher google apple all that good stuff so uh hey it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun week i don't know how fun saturday will be it's gonna be a long uh, long wait but uh we'll be here either as someone to party with or be your shoulder to cry on
3: regardless so yeah you can find me on twitter at luke Yardi, l-u-k-e-g-h-i a R D I actually found out over the weekend on Twitter how much uh, Michiganders have a disdain for the huge show. So that was interesting to find out. Uh, yes, I saw yeah, it, uh, you put huge, you put huge in a yeah, body. Bag. It was. Uh, I, my mentions are, are still going on that one, but also make sure to follow brew Show at Brewcast Show on Twitter as well. So give us a follow on Twitter, as Anthony said, uh, Facebook and all the other platforms as well. And uh, that'll do it for us here today. Subscribe, leave a review for all of our shows and content where you get your podcast by searching mason brew podcast on apple google spotify and more and we'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode of future brew and we'll see you next week on brewcast
0: Woo-hoo.